Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thank you very much, Adrian. Um, we are Gary and Claudia Cousins. If you put up the first slide there for us, and we have two boys. Uh, Joel is 14, David is 12. We are based in the southwest part of Germany in the Black Forest, just 15 minutes from the Swiss border and 15 minutes from the French border. And uh, have some prayer cards there and some of our latest prayer letters afterwards if you'd like to take one with you. Also, as you leave tonight, uh, each one will be able to receive a, a copy of Impact magazine where there's a number of uh, stories of how um, children are being impacted with the gospel across the world. So please make sure you get one of those uh, afterwards. In Matthew 18, verse 14, we read the words of Jesus. In the Bible you see here is no ordinary Bible, but it belongs to a man that we call Mr. O. And you see that he's got some markings at verse 14. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Jesse Irvine Overholzer was a farmer and a lay preacher who lived in California following World War I. And he read in a commentary not from Matthew Henry, but C.H. Spurgeon, the following quote, A child of five, if properly instructed, can as readily believe and be regenerated as anyone. And when Overholzer read that, he didn't believe it. He thought, Mr. Spurgeon, you're wrong. But following a breakdown and selling his farm, he moved to the Bay Area of San Francisco And there he became increasingly burdened by the spiritual needs of those around him. And uh, in his biography, we we read the following, and I just this was impressed on me yesterday. He says, It was apparent that the unsaved were not coming to church. He said, In Oakland, I discovered that if only one seventh of the people in that city would decide to go to church on any given Sunday, there would not be room for them in the existing churches. It became clear to me that if we were to win the unsaved, especially the children, we must develop some plan or program to reach the unsaved outside the church buildings first, then bring them into the congregation. He also found that only a small percentage of children were attending any Sunday school. A great burden came upon me for these unreached boys and girls, he wrote, especially in the best cities of California where a million people lived Beginning in my Judea, I longed to encompass the world with an outreach for children. Overholzer believed that when Christ talked about building his kingdom, when he gave the Great Commission to go and make disciples, as we read it in Mark 16, verse 15, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, that that also includes children. Children in USA, but also children across the world. So in 1935, a ministry 
to children began in Chicago. And in 1937, with a vision to see an army of children's evangelists encircle the globe, he officially established Child Evangelism Fellowship, what we know, many of you will know, as CEF. And today, if I was to ask you, where is CEF organized today? Well, you might tell me, well, of course, it's in Ireland, yes, and you might know that we also have a ministry in Romania and in some of the Scandinavian countries like Norway. But I wonder how many other countries could you name? And I wonder would you be surprised tonight when I tell you that there is an active and ongoing ministry established today in 192 countries. This vision that Mr. O had is being fulfilled today before our very eyes. Praise God for the growth that he has given to this ministry. In 2017, we will celebrate our 80th birthday. And there's a big push in our agency right now to establish a CEF work in every nation of the world. Not to build a CEF kingdom, but to see children evangelized, to see children discipled in their faith, and to see children established in a local church. Because we believe that every child, regardless of their social or religious background, regardless of what nation they come from, their color, the language they speak, that child has the right and should have the opportunity to hear the best news in the world, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we praise God for raising up 2,950 full-time workers and thousands of volunteers across the globe who share the burden that Mr. O um, had and that he received from the Lord and what we're seeing happen across the world today. And what I think is a real strength of our mission to the glory of God is that from these workers, over 94% of them are nationals. That means there are people who live in the country that is closest to their heart, that they've grown up in. They know the language, they know the people they're able to start right away reaching the boys and girls and communicating that gospel message to the boys and girls much more effectively than someone coming from overseas. Our core ministry in CEF is the Good News Club, the evangelistic weekly meeting for boys and girls in those schemes, in those housing areas, and also in the local churches, bringing the gospel and bringing teaching for the saved child each week. Almost 70,000 Good news clubs were counted last year across the world. And God is giving us tremendous increase in these days. When we think back to 2013, we praise God that in that year alone, through the ministries of CEF, 15.6 million children were being reached worldwide. That's an amazing figure. And when the figures just came in a few months ago, we just couldn't believe what we were seeing. For 2000. And 14, 19.9 million children reached through the ministries of CEF. And that is only counting the direct face-to-face ministries. It's not counting our internet ministries or uh, other things like correspondence courses, but just the face-to-face ministry. It's amazing, a 27.6% increase. And I could stand here today and tell you just all the good things and that everything's going well. But we are not stopping here because we believe that God wants more and more boys and girls. He's not willing that any should perish, that he wants boys and girls who have never heard the gospel to hear it. Last December, I stood 
on the North Korean border here, on the border of South Korea. Sorry, that video is not um, maybe working so well for you. But I was looking out there across that area into the north over the, the DMZ and praying and thinking about the children there. Fifteen countries remain where there's no CEF ministry, and this is one of them. And these countries are really hard countries. Countries where it would seem impossible, as our leader in the Middle East, uh, former leader in the Middle Eastern countries, would often have said, difficult, but not impossible. And we believe tonight in a God who is able to do the impossible. Yesterday I was speaking with our director in South Korea, and I asked him if I could share some things with you tonight, and he said that I could about what is going on today, even despite the restrictions. If you look at this here, it just looks like a piece of plastic. But on it, there are some flashcard pictures for children. It's only in black and white. But there's also a text on there for children explaining the gospel. And in the bottom here, there's two little holes, and when they're inflated with helium, you can imagine how these can be used. And so in in South Korea, the children are going to the border. The Good News Club children are going there with their teacher and they're filling these balloons with helium when the wind is taking them into the north. Pray that through this, that boys and girls, even in North Korea, would hear the gospel. We're told another agency has a a radio program where CEF is able to broadcast a, a weekly Good News Club that we're sure is being heard in the north, and also a teacher training class each week that can be held there. Whenever some of the, ch- the families are able to escape from the north, they come to a um, centre, a reception centre in the south, where they are um, helped to integrate into life in South Korea. And in that centre, there is a weekly children's meeting conducted by CEF for the children. I was there for teaching a junior youth challenge instructors course because we want to train key people in that country. They have got a real vision for not only their own south but for the north. They pray that each area in the south has adopted, adopted an area in the north and are praying for it. And so they are ready when the walls come down just as the Iron Curtain fell 25 years ago. They believe that someday that will happen. And they are ready to move. And it's wonderful. It's, it was surreal to see the contrast there, the momentum in the south, the enthusiasm among the believers, the missionary vision that they have for the children in their own country and other countries, and yet to be standing on the border of what is probably the most difficult country in the world to bring the gospel to. A country in the south with 230 full-time workers in 49 local areas. 65 missionaries. God is doing great things in the south and we believe one day he will do the same in the north. Many other countries it's difficult. In, In general, there are bigger challenges now in Eastern Europe than 20 years ago whenever many of these countries first opened after communism. But there are open doors, even in some of these Islamic countries of the 
former Soviet Union, or what we sometimes call the Central Asian Republics. In one country, you're allowed to have three Bibles per person. In another country, you're allowed to have one Bible per person. In other countries, you aren't allowed to have any Bibles. One of our workers told us recently on a visit, praise God, my one Bible that I'm allowed to have has not yet, or sorry, she said, I'm not allowed to have any Bibles, and praise God that this one Bible has not yet been found, even though my home has been searched. One of our workers here in a sensitive country uh, has been through a difficult time. He's constantly aware of the surveillance, of the um, searches in his own home, the amount of times that he has been arrested, uh, taken in for questioning. Tremendous pressure. And one day back in, in May, he got wind that they were coming to search again. And he took off. He just seemed to crack just under the pressure. And he went into hiding for a few days, taking the two USB sticks with him where he had all of the material on that, that could incriminate him in some way. Things have settled again now. But please pray for brothers like this and his wife and other brothers and sisters who are working in very hostile conditions. Not so much in the news now, but more six months, 12 months ago, these children here in Ukraine, a country with six million children. And last year, through the ministries of CEF, 65,000 children heard the gospel in Ukraine. We have 67 workers there in 14 regions. Some of those workers found themselves overnight living in Russia because they were in Crimea, living in Russia and feeling very much a part of the Ukrainian team, just one of the challenges that we face in modern missions today, how to deal with a situation like that. Workers report that there is still, even though it's not on the news much, that there's still much unrest in the East, and even evidence of efforts to destabilize the nation in the West. We have 10 workers living in the conflict region, and most of them have had to move out to more safer regions. And I just read a report last week from one of our missionaries there that they're reporting that the ministry that they have been engaged in during the summer to reach the children, that they have been seeing a, some good come out of the conflict because they have had unusually high numbers of children in their five-day clubs and open-air ministries. And as they ask themselves, why is this? They believe that because of the conflict and because of the um, the poverty that many families find themselves in, they're not able during the summer period to travel away, so they're staying at home and are, are much more grateful for anything that's being done for the children. So many more children are, are coming to the meetings this summer in the Ukraine and are hearing the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just now, those full-time workers are at a retreat and pray that they will be encouraged, that they will be strengthened some of those men do not know if they're going to be called up for military service and desire that they will, as the Apostle Paul encouraged us to do, we, that we pray that gospel-favorable conditions will continue in the country. Pray, too, that these men uh, will not be hindered from bringing the, boys and, the gospel to the boys and girls. A couple of years ago, I was in Lithuania teaching at our 12-week training course, the Children's Ministry Leadership Course. One of the students there was a girl called Christy. Right after the course, she came into the ministry full-time and is working in her home area 
in southeastern Estonia, just near the Russian border. And she has identified an area there where there are 58 towns and small villages that have very, very little gospel witness. She reckons there's about 9,000 children there. And as she goes to bring the gospel to the children in, this, in southeast Estonia, uh, they have in the open air in the summer a similar problem to what we have here in Northern Ireland. Uh, you can see what it is. It tends to rain. And my wife's from Germany, and the time we've been here these weeks, she keeps looking at the weather forecast, and I said, honey, just forget it. Don't look at it. Uh, you know, in Germany, our weather forecast is actually accurate 90% of the time. I says, honey, you know, it's going to rain, and the sun's going to shine sometime. So let's just get on with it. But last October, Neil Harkness, our missionary actually in Sweden, had learned about this situation here. Uh, and he was speaking with Christy uh, in Estonia. You see here in the, the, this little minibus that belongs to Christy's husband, he, he goes around and installs fireplaces and puts in these little stoves in people's homes. So whenever it was raining really hard, they would quickly clear up the back of this van and would use it for the clubs. And when Neil heard about this need, he said, you know, you could be doing with a bus or something like that. And Christy says, well, my husband has a bus license. And so Neil shared this need in his home church um, here in Northern Ireland. And I think I wanted to share this with you because I wanted you to see how uh, Northern Ireland is being such a blessing uh, to the world in world missions. And as Neil shared this with his home church they had adopted this project, and in a short time, a city bus was identified, a 14-year-old bus. 45 seats were taken out of it. It was converted into uh, an area with, with child-friendly seating and tables and a little kitchen in the back of it and toilet, so that that bus was brought over to Estonia uh, I was there a few weeks ago as it was handed over at the dedication service in Tallinn. And Christy has been using that bus this summer. She's just completed uh, 21 five-day clubs in that area. Just one example of how God has used our little province to be a blessing, even in this past year, to another part of the world. Two years ago, a young teen in Romania, picked up a CEF tract that had been thrown on the ground. And after reading the tract, she enrolled in the Bible correspondence course and she completed the first series of lessons. God worked in a wonderful way in her heart and she trusted the Savior. Stefania is her name. Really surprised the team in Romania this past March whenever she said that she wanted to join the summer outreach and she wanted to get involved in distributing these little booklets called Meet the King because she wanted other children in Romania to hear about the Saviour. This little booklet was printed in Northern Ireland. The story goes that in 1996, Tom Somerville, the late Tom Somerville, who was a missionary to Romania, asked every home crusade if they could print some children's tracts for Romania. And they did. And that started a relationship, a partnership, between what is now known today as Revival Movement Association and CEF. And we couldn't have believed back then 
what would come of that relationship. Back in uh, 1992, I went out as a CEF missionary to work at the printing department of CEF in Switzerland. I was only 19 at the time, and I worked there for four years, and we printed hundreds, thousands at the most. Maybe a print order of five for 10,000 was quite a big uh, run to print at that time. And I could have never imagined then when I was printing those tracts that were going into Eastern Europe and around the world, what would be happening today. Last year, uh, Revival Movement Association printed 3.4 million of these Meet the King booklets for us to distribute around the world. And together with our with Revival Movement Association and our 19 other locations that we have worldwide, 11,000 11 million, wow, 11,000 even sounds good to me, 11 million pieces of literature, 400 tons has been distributed in 140 countries around the world. We praise God for the people who support revival movement to make it possible so that CEF can also print material like, like that to send it around the world. Some of you may have seen the little trailer that I did for, for the meeting here tonight, and I know many of you will know what these here are, these little flannel graph figures that uh, even when I went as a seven-year-old to my first holiday Bible club, and they were teaching the wordless book in the final evening, I understood what I needed to do, and as a seven-year-old, I put my trust in Christ for salvation. These little things that sometimes fly off the board in the open air. And people say they're not really for today, they're not really up to date, but the children love them. And since then, of course, our materials have been updated. Uh, I wish I had the time tonight to uh, show you more of those. But uh, if you go to teachkids.eu, you'd be able to download um, manuscripts that we have there for free. They're the texts of the Bible lessons that we have and there's a few languages there right now, but we're planning in the next few months to get materials there in uh, all of the European languages that we have materials, and we have plans to expand that because it's not about making money. We want to make the materials available to people who can use them and who can bring the gospel to the children and help the children to grow in their faith. And please pray for a big project for 2017. There's going to be a new curriculum uh, rolled out. There's a lot of work going on right now to uh, revise those lessons, to make them truer to the text, to make sure that the application is coming out from the text in a much more natural way, that there are interactive teaching methods there so that our materials are right up to date, but also faithful to the Word as we seek to bring God's Word to the boys and girls. Here in Ireland, you will uh, have heard that CEF Ireland has 2020 vision. They're praying for 20 new workers for 20 counties by the year 2020. This year, CEF in Ireland is celebrating its 65th anniversary. There are 48 workers in the north and 47 either working in the south of Ireland or overseas. And that includes um, me, an Irishman, um, married to a German and living in Germany, and there's also a German who's married to an Irish woman and working in Donegal. So that's uh, the face of missions today. Please pray for these the countries, the counties on 
the screen are those where we have workers at the moment, but the counties in grey, we're praying. We praise God that even in Ireland last year, it was possible to reach 90,000 children, but there's much, much more that still can be done. I want to move from Ireland now for a moment to Germany where we live and our local CEF worker is uh, two hours away and that's with, with your foot down on the autobahn with no limit. It still takes two hours to get to him up in the Karlsruhe region. And Stefan is a, a local CEF worker. These are the three trainees that he has at the moment. In Germany, we have 90 CEF workers in 20 areas and 30 missionaries. In Germany, things are changing in that it used to, our children go to school in the morning at 7.30, they start, and they usually get out about one o'clock or shortly after it. But more and more schools are becoming what they call all-day schools, so they're offering supervision of the children right up until the parents can pick them up in the evening. And this is a big challenge for the schools uh, to find people to supervise and also to find the activities. And we have seen this as a big opening, a, a great opportunity to go into these schools and to seek to have a good news club in the school and after school club. So all we need is uh, the permission of the school director to offer this activity. We get the permission of the parents who are often happy. Parents are happy that their children have got something to do, that they're not bored. The teachers are happy that they're getting some support and the children enjoy the club. A few weeks ago, as one of uh, Stefan's volunteers were teaching in the club, had just started to teach the Bible lesson, one of the children, little girl who loves to come along to the club and participate, she shouted out in the middle of the Bible lesson, there is no God, God doesn't exist. The worker carried on with the Bible lesson and again she shouted out, there is no God. Afterwards, the, the workers talked with each other and they asked themselves, why, why was she saying that? We still don't know why she was saying that. We wonder, was she simply repeating what she was hearing at home? Was she trying to provoke us in some way? Was she attention-seeking? We don't know. But we know that God can change her, that God can save her. And so we continue to teach in the schools in Germany. It's increasingly difficult to get permission in many of our European countries to hold, let's say, a five-day club, an open-air meeting in a park or in a public place. Uh, it's becoming more and more difficult to get permission to do that sort of thing. So we're relying more on privately owned facilities where it has open access, but the person who owns it is willing to, to open it for Christian activities. In the summer, the children in Germany, because of the good weather, are often spend the whole day at an open-air swimming pool. And so we try to get in there and to hold our five-day clubs there. Or at a caravan site, where many children will spend the whole summer to find a Christian who owns a caravan site and who invites CEF to come along to do that. But I know this conference has got the, the theme of, of building the kingdom. And children, they love to build I have two boys at home, and this is their most favorite activity. It's not building a kingdom, but it's building a Lego city. And in Denmark, where Lego comes from, and in Germany, we have developed a program where 
we help the children to build a Lego city. It's a bit like a holiday Bible club. It's a, you know, a holiday Bible club. There's a two-hour program. There's one-hour spiritual program, and then there's usually roughly one hour where there's um, crafts and games and things like that. So instead of the crafts and games, they build, they build a city, and it's set out in these big um, things of plywood, about 14 meters long, 1.2 meters wide, and the children have all the pieces, and they build. And when it's set up properly. 70, around 70 children can build at the same time. The children love it. And the great thing is that it helps churches to reach the children who are outside who wouldn't normally come into a church. In fact, Stefan told me that at least, at least 50% and usually more of the children are unchurched kids. And he also told me that in no way is the spiritual program shortened or does it come short in any way. But he told me that it's really, really good because as the teachers, as the helpers are building with the children, many natural conversations are developing. It takes a lot of time to get all the Lego pieces together to be able to do something like this. But it's really worth it. And when the city is finished, they have an official opening and they invite the parents to come along. Of course, there's a spiritual program there as well. And it's a wonderful way. Stefan has told me that he has got bookings into 2018. He's completely booked out for next year. But this year, he's planning to be in 22 churches and five schools. Praise God that despite the doors that are closing, perhaps in public places, that there is still opportunity to reach the children. In 2014, 342,000 teachers were trained worldwide. And this is just as I come to the, to the final part tonight. I want to concentrate on the area of training, and I just want you to see uh, this little uh, short video clip before we go any further. Someone said that everything rises or falls on leadership, and so we do quite a bit to provide training for our leaders. We provide training because training is really the way to multiply yourself. If I teach a group of children, I may have 40 or 50 children in my class. But if I train 10 people, I now have 400 to 500 children who are being reached. And what we find is most often the people who are involved in Sunday schools in teaching have very little or no training at all. They just have a love for kids and so they just give it their best shot. So many people are being asked to work in their churches, being asked to work among young people and children, and they have no training whatsoever. And yet they have a desire for it. They have a desire to know how to do things properly, to be effective in what they're doing. And so when you come alongside of someone and say, we can help you to do your job better, and we know we have materials, we have um, resources to be able to use to help you to better do your job, they become excited and and they'll say things like I never knew this or I wish I'd have known this when I first started and so they catch a vision of how they can be more effective in evangelism and in discipleship of the children. Every team that goes to Teacher Goodness Club is trained well. We have developed a very strong program that gives direction, that provides the training, that outlines everything that is required for that training. And so when they actually get into that classroom, they are well equipped to conduct that club from the moment the kids arrive to the moment that the parents pick up the kids and everything in between. 
So probably in my own life, uh, training week has really changed me um, because now I know what to say, I, I know what to do. Um, I know how to explain the gospel message to kids, I know how to, to tell them about Jesus, that Jesus had to die for, for their sins and God raised them from the, the grave again. Uh, this training will help me so much in my ministry when I'm going to many places and visit many churches. Teach myself and teach the people and teach the kids about how we can to share the gospel with the kids and they accept Jesus. And when I did the course, you know, they answered every question, you know, and I can confidently say, you know, all my questions are answered, and I'm confident teaching children about Christ because I know they're not too young to give their hearts to Christ, and I also know they can serve Christ at any age. And to actually take someone and describe to them how they can teach a Bible lesson, to show them how they can lead a child to the Lord, to explain to them what the gospel is, explain to them how to be relevant to young people, and to see them then put it in practice is fantastic. And knowing that not only have you had an impact on their life, because as you've done that, they have grown and they have learned, but from that, you've also impacted many, many more boys and girls who they'll teach, many young people who they'll disciple. You've had a lasting and a rippling effect among other people. And that's one of the biggest benefits that is of training. We can't reach everyone. We can't disciple everyone. But we can train others and they can reach more. And they can train others and they can reach more. And it can have a multiplying effect. Apologies for the quality on that. Uh, we did test it beforehand, but obviously uh, there's been a, an error there. But as we think about training, we think about ministering directly to children. Mr. O realized that he couldn't reach everybody himself. He needed to train other people. But who trains the people who are training? And who trains the people who are leading the ministries in our various countries? And a couple of years ago, I was asked to help design a course for our national directors, and this is the main focus of my own work now, National Directors Institute, and we came up with this image of the, the tree looking at the, showing us the main parts of the course, the roots, showing us the importance of spiritual leadership, what it means to be a Christ-centered servant leadership, and that forms the main emphasis in this two-week training course that we are putting all of our national directors through. Then we have the, the core, the, the trunk of the tree, which is where we teach them basic leadership and management skills that they will need for leading the work, leading teams in their countries. And as we look at the branches, we think about the people that they reach out to, that they relate to, those uh, under them, on their team, people who are supporters and uh, prayer supporters, financial supporters, churches. We think of those who they're responsible to uh, going up and the policies and procedures that they need to follow in the mission. And then ultimately we're thinking about the fruit that comes out from that, from those good roots going up through that tree, the fruit of reaching every child in every nation every day that we keep that before us as the ultimate aim. And not only that, but also developing fruit workers for the future. And it's great to see so many people here tonight, familiar faces, people that I know. Uh, many of you will know uh, Terry and Wilma Flanagan, who are here tonight and who help uh, teach on the training team for our national 
Directors Institute, pictured here at our, at our last course with our brother Prakash that leads the work in Nepal. And it's wonderful to be able to work with people from so many nations, these national directors, to interact with them in class, to be able to help them with the issues that they face in leadership and in developing a national ministry to reach boys and girls. We bring along about 25 national directors per course. We've already had two. The third one will be in October, which we will also teach in Korean. And then next year we plan to have three courses in French, Spanish and Arabic, and probably in 2017 uh, one more then in English and Russian. So please pray for these courses. Pray for people here in the middle like Samuel, our leader in Korea, Emmanuel in India, Justin in Sri Lanka. You know, when Justin was 10 years old, a little boy, he was sick. They brought him to the temples to try and get healing for him, to the sorcerers to try and get help. And they told his mother that he was going to die. They should bring him home. There were three things were going to happen in the home and then he would die. And each of those things happened, but he didn't die. What happened was a, a Bible came through his door. It was John's gospel came through his door in the post. And he read that and he started the Bible correspondence course and he trusted Christ for salvation. And today he's national director in Sri Lanka, leading that work there with over 700 good news clubs. What a privilege to be able to work with people like Fred in Cameroon, to be able to get alongside these leaders and to help them uh, with their issues, to pray with them, to encourage them in their ministry to the boys and girls. Just finishing here with this uh, group photograph, this last course, participants and trainers. Mez was telling us tonight about growing up in the care system and what he thought of Christians. And it just reinforced for me again the need to reach the boys and girls to bring the gospel to children. For years in Europe and Eastern Europe, countries were closed to the gospel. There was, when you think of Hungary, one of our leaders here, Gabor from Hungary, he told me that he was 17 years old before he heard the name Jesus. Today, he's doing all he can to make sure that the children of Hungary do not have to wait as long as he did in order to hear the good news. Mr. O had a vision, a vision to see unchurched boys and girls across the world be evangelized, edified, and established in local churches. And with almost 20 million children reached last year through the direct ministries of CF workers and volunteers, many, many professions of faith, this vision is being fulfilled before our very eyes, yet many have yet to hear. Will you pray with us? Pray for the continued growth and consolidation of the work. Pray that Christ will build his kingdom among the world's largest people group, among the boys and girls. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. 
If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate. <laughs>